Um, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you for another Sabbath day. Thank you for another opportunity to open your word. Um, as we've been going through these studies, just help us to um, continue to grow with them, um, continue to add our thoughts um, and hopefully be changed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. So um, we've been walking through the Beatitudes. So we've done the first two, um, blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn. So we're on, um, we're on the third Beatitude today. Um, just for, I guess, um, Abigail's benefit, because I think the others um, have kind of been at least here last week. Um, essentially the Beatitudes at least how maybe we've been taught or how maybe we've read it before, kind of seem like um, random pearls of wisdom, maybe like almost like they belong in the Proverbs or something, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit for they shall inherit the earth. They feel like nice kind of little short little bits of wisdom. Maybe people like um, might frame like a, something, you know, in their living room and it might be like a nice little thing that they have or whatever. Um, but if you take it, the, it in context, all of these things were quite um, revolutionary in, in what Jesus was saying. This was his first sermon. Um, and so, you know, these, these weren't just nice little things to start off his sermon. He came in, you know, hitting, hitting big topics straight away. And um, people were amazed and astonished at his doctrine, right? And so... Um, we are just walking through the Beatitudes and we're seeing that there's a sequential, almost not even step by step, but almost layer by layer, um, step through um, growth, essentially spiritual growth. So it's almost like Jesus's original steps to Christ before Ellen White did hers. Um, and so um, it's almost like Jesus is now giving us the way in which we are gonna become better Christians, essentially, right? So the first one, Anyone want to remind me the first one was? Um, I'm just reading it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Awesome. Blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And what does poor in spirit mean? Being, so being spiritually poor and realizing that there is nothing about you that is good and this is why we need Jesus. I think. Awesome. Perfect, okay. right? So ultimately, yes, being spiritually poor. So I think all of us, we, we understood everyone is spiritually poor. So it's really about the recognizing as Matt says, the recognizing of our spiritual poverty because as if you don't recognize that you're spiritually poor, then how could you ever want and need and recognize your need for Jesus, right? And so that is the first step on this growth, spiritual growth journey. You need to recognize that there's nothing good about you spiritually, right? Next, what's the second one? Pain is gain. <laughs> pain is gain, and what is pain is gain? Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that mourn. And I actually can't remember what the end of it is. What does it say? For they shall be comforted. That's, that's what I thought, yeah. Thank you. 
Um, and so what what is morning mean? Um, crying, grieving. Crying and grieving. So cool, right? So what what exactly is the text saying that we're crying or grieving over? Mourning over. Thinking that this is a sequential step. Oh, like we're crying because we are spiritually poor. Awesome, right? So the first one is to recognize your spiritual poverty. The second is to mourn over that spiritual poverty, right? And so um, Jesus is saying, first, yeah, recognize it. But second, there needs to be a true mourning for that condition, right? And we talked about what true mourning would look like versus fake mourning um, and the different ways to kind of see that and, and how to get that, right? And so... Both of those things are instrumental in this next one, right? You both need to have poor and be poor in spirit, and you need to um, mourn that spiritual poverty for you to have a chance at reaching this next stage, right? So let's read it. Um, Matthew 5, verse 5. Someone wants to read? Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Awesome. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Cool. So what does meek mean? Gentle and, like, unassuming. Gentle and unassuming. Cool, cool, cool. Anything else? It's often used interchangeably with the word humble. Yep, often um, used interchangeably with the word humble, uh, synonyms or almost synonyms. Um, so yeah, both both correct. I mean, generally we would use the word humble and meek um, as pretty much the same word. But what I would say meek is additional to humble is what Reuben said, which is there's there's gentleness there as well. So there's there's a humility and there's a gentleness to meekness, right? And Jesus is saying it's the meek that inherit the earth, right? So, it's interesting, right? This is the first, well, let's not even go there first. Firstly, right, the first three Beatitudes, be it poor in spirit, um, those who mourn, and the meek, they are all an assault on pride, right? They're all attack, attack pride. And so the first thing we need to realize is what Jesus is saying is before we even get into the to the back end of the Beatitudes and we get into the pure in heart and the, you know, persecuted for my sake and all of those great things, right? Initially, it is dealing with pride, right? And pride is like, if, if we were going to scale sins, right? Pride is, pride is the worst one, right? Pride is the most corrupt one. And it's actually the one that we find in all of us. All of us have to deal with pride at some point and in some shape or form. And so that is why this is like, if you if we talk about um, this being the gateway to the spiritual life, right? The gateway to the spiritual life is to drop pride. And so being poor in spirit, understanding that there's nothing good in you, dealing with pride, 
mourning that spiritual condition, dealing with pride. And now, you know, you would say that the opposite of meekness, the opposite of humbleness is someone being prideful. So all of these are attacking pride, right? So we're going to um, look at a text. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. If someone could read that. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 and 2. I have it. Um, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Awesome, right. So, in, um, in different versions, right, you would see the word um, gentleness as a synonym with meekness, right? So it says um, it pairs this idea of lowliness and meekness together, right? So it says um, with all um, and other other you know versions would say humility, but um, it's it's pairing lowliness and meekness together in one thing, and so it's important to understand that this it is impossible to achieve this meekness without this lowliness. What do you think? What, what does lowliness mean? Um, it's pretty hard to define, but I feel like it's the opposite of entitled. Like when I think of entitled, I feel like you feel like you deserve the best things in life and that you should be at the top. Whereas loneliness, it's like being content with like being less than or having less than. And yeah, I don't know. Awesome. No, I love that uh, definition. Reuben, the question was, um, what does lowliness mean? And Maz was saying that it's the opposite of entitled. And if entitled means that you feel like you deserve a lot, then I guess lowliness of the opposite would mean that you feel like you don't deserve a lot. And so that is that is a perfect definition, right? And so for you to, f- for the foundation of this humility needs to be that lowliness, that fact that you don't, feel like you deserve much and where does that come from it comes from those previous two beatitudes the root of your meekness the root of your humility comes from the lowliness found in your spiritual poverty right it comes from the fact that you're mourning that spiritual poverty so for example and we're going to get into more of this in a minute but if i um if i am a um a robber let's say and I steal things right if I come to the conclusion that wow I'm a really bad person for doing that and boy there's nothing good about me how much more am I likely then to firstly accept help but also see others in a in a in a good in a better way right if I can understand that I am really not very good if I'm poor in spirit if I'm and I'm mourning that condition then how much more do I feel like I don't actually deserve much? Um, and how much more do I then see that actually maybe other people deserve as much, if not more, than I do? 
and um, we're going to start looking into that concept in a minute. So, meekness. What's the difference between, can you find, between this beatitude versus the last two? Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the meek. What's the difference in the in the meek versus the other two? I think um, the other two can remain internal, like you can, um, they can just be feelings or like what you think, whereas meek can be to do with like how you behave and it can be external, like people can see you being meek. Awesome, awesome. That's a perfect answer, right? Maz is on fire today. So, um, so yeah, perfect. The, this is the first beatitude that is actually um, an outward showing virtue, right? And so, if you were looking, if you were wanting to, you know, see if sort where someone is on this journey, the first thing you would see, and the first thing people would see of you, is you being meek, right? You uh, is unlike someone understanding their spiritual poverty, and someone mourning that condition is uh, both internal struggles, as Matt said. They're both things that you and God deal with on a one-to-one. Um, but meekness is not only something that you deal with with God, but also something that you deal with with others. And it's something that they'll be able to see in you, right? So we're going to look at those two factors, actually. Um, but we're first going to look at a couple of examples of meekness. So um, the first one, if we could go to Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 to 9. Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 to 9. We want to read two verses each. What verse are we starting on? Uh, verse one. Okay. Is it like the whole of Numbers 12? Uh, just one to nine. Okay. All right. I'll start. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Verse three. Um, now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, "Come out, ye three, to the tabernacle of meeting." So the three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle, and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, "Hear now my words. If there be prophets among you," I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. 
And then verse 7, my servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? I read verse 9 as well. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, please. Okay. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. Awesome. Right. So what just happened in the story? Someone just describe what happened there. I'm trying to get what they did wrong. Like I, I know that they it says in the verses I read, um they spoke against him because he married Zipporah, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, and I don't know, maybe it was that good old fashioned racism, or I don't know, but they weren't happy with that. And it seems like from what I can tell, it seems like their response was to say. Moses isn't the only one that can lead us. Like there are other options. He's not the only one we have to listen to, I think. Exactly, yeah. Cool, right? So Aaron and Miriam, being Moses' brothers and sister, um, don't like the fact that he's married um, outside of the Jewish people. So it could be a racism thing. It could be more of a xenophobia thing. I'm not sure. Um, and then they seem to, from there, come to the point where they're like, right, Moses doesn't really need to be the only one leading us. Like, I, I, I can hear things from God and I can lead these people kind of, kind of attitude, right? Um, what happens, what happens next? Okay, well, Aaron and Moses um, and Miriam all come out of the tabernacle and God comes and he essentially says um, to them, listen, if I was going to have a prophet, right, um, I would talk to them in visions, visions and in dreams. So my prophets, you know, the people who speak for me, I come to them in vision and in dreams. But Moses is not, is not a prophet, right? I, I don't speak to Moses in vision and dreams. Me and Moses talk face to face. Yeah? Me and Moses are on a level where he, we, we, we chill together. Me and Moses are on a level, right? So Moses is ahead of the prophets, is what God is saying. Like, I would talk to, to, to prophets in visions and in dreams, but Moses, no, me, me and Moses reason together, yeah? So I don't think, so I'm not sure how you've come to this point where you feel like it's okay that you can come and talk to Moses any old way, right? And so God is angry with um, Miriam and Aaron and they end up getting leprosy, right? Because they talked against Moses, right? In verse 3, it says something very interesting. It says, verse 3, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. It actually says it in brackets in the King James Version. Um, why do you think it puts that there? In the story, you know, you get that he's getting um, accused or however you want to put it by his brother and sister, and then God comes to his aid. But in the middle of that, there is this, 
verse that says, oh, and Moses was the meekest person on the face of the earth. Why, why do you think that's relevant? Um, I think part of it is because it's highlighted the difference between um, Moses and his siblings. Like the verse before, um, it's kind of um, Miriam and Aaron talking about, sorry, my Bible is just laid in, um, talking about has he not spoken through us also? That's kind of like, they're kind of exalting themselves and then it's highlighting that Moses and um, yeah he he hasn't been exalting himself awesome all right cool so there's a there's this element that um is is comparing Moses's attitude to Miriam and Aaron's attitude right cool what it what it implies right is that most even though Miriam and Aaron were accusing him or talking bad against him. Um, Moses didn't come to his own aid. Moses didn't defend himself. He didn't say, oh, hold on, wait a minute. Are you joking? Like, do you not remember when I went up to the mountain alone with God and I came down with the tablets of, of the Ten Commandments? They don't remember that. They were written with God's own hand. They don't remember that. Moses didn't say that. Moses didn't say, look, you don't remember when I put up the golden staff and I... I did this and I took the people out of Egypt. And I split the Red Sea. You don't remember all that. You don't remember me and God were doing that time ago. So look, when you're talking about you and listen to God too, relax. God, Moses didn't say that. Yeah? Moses didn't come to his own aid at all. It's God who came with the energy. Moses was chilling. And so this statement of, of, um, of Moses was a very meek man, the, the most meek, it's because Moses had the most reason to boast. If anyone could boast in that camp, it was Moses. If anyone was supposed to be the, you know, the Lord's anointed and whatever the case may be, it was Moses, right? And Moses was the one who wasn't talking about himself at all, right? And so, um, and it's mixed up with this, this element of faith that actually God will fight my battles for me. I don't really need to, to, to defend myself. In fact, there's not really much to defend because... If we go back to the last two beatitudes, there's nothing actually good about me. You know, there's the and to be honest, I'm I'm trying to make sure I stay on the straight and narrow with God here. So to be honest, I have nothing to boast about. That is Moses' mentality, right? If you think back to the burning bush, Moses was like, "Look, how can I even go and speak to these people? I can't even talk." Moses was that guy to be very unassuming, and so. You know, he had faith that God would be able to fight that battle for him. He didn't have to go and defend himself against his brother and sister. Cool. All right, let's go to the next example quickly. Matthew um, chapter 8, verses 8 to 10. If we could turn there quickly. Um, Matthew chapter 8, verses 8 to 10. Um, Matthew 8 verse 8 um, the centurion answered and said Lord I am not worthy that you should come under my roof but only speak a word and my servant will be healed for I also am a man under authority having soldiers under me and I say to this one go 
and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great, such great faith, not even in Israel. Awesome, thank you. All right. So what we're seeing here is a centurion, right? So a Gentile, uh, a heathen almost, um, you would say, coming um, and wanting Jesus to perform a miracle because the servant is sick. Um, and Jesus is actually saying, yeah, yeah, I'll come, I'll come, um, I'll come heal him, let's go. And the centurion says, actually, no, I'm not worthy for you to actually come to my house. But it's okay, you can just say it here. Just say he's healed, he'll be healed. Right? Um, and Jesus heals him. And he then is astonished at what's going on. And he says, I've never seen faith like this. Right? In all of my time in Israel, he's never seen faith like this. And it's come from a Gentile. Cool. In this text, and also in the one in Numbers, we start to um, understand... Um, I said we, we show meekness to two, in two ways, right? To God and to and to man. And we're going to deal with both. So both of these texts are kind of relating to how we deal um, in terms of our meekness with God, right? So I've got a few things pointed down here, but I want to kind of open it up to you guys. How do you, how do you think meekness practically um, is experienced with God? Like if you're a meek person, how do you practically show that in your relationship with God? What does it look like? I was thinking um, when Jesus was being tempted, he, uh, he had a situation where um, the devil had said, jump off the temple, I think. Um, and won't the angels take charge of you? Now they won't even let you dash your foot against the stone. And if anybody had a right to kind of expect help, if that makes sense, then it would have been him. But he, he turns around and says, what does he say? He says, you know, we should attempt the Lord your God. And it's a crazy thing because I, I myself, you know, I, I see it in my own behavior a lot of the time of being really expect, expectant of God. You know, I've put myself in a situation kind of fully expect that he's going to do what I couldn't do and probably could have set up better in the first place. But Jesus didn't do that. He didn't um, make, again, in our human understanding, we feel like we have a right to, you know, we have a right to say, oh, you know, uh, especially a lot of us, maybe when we were younger or more dependent and things like that, I have a right to live in my parents' house. I have a right to be given lifts or that kind of stuff. And Jesus didn't see it that way. He didn't put himself in situations that would, you know, almost put demands on God. It was much more like a request than a humble request that he would ask. I hear that, I hear that. I think to add on to that, I was thinking um, about that verse that says, come boldly onto the throne. And um, thinking about faith. I, I don't know, I link faith to um, expectation expectancy is our word I don't know um that you know God wants good things for me and things like that and like I'm a child of God I can ask for this that yeah but anyway um and 
so I was trying to figure out like yeah where does meekness come into that and I was um, reminded of the three Hebrew boys uh, that were saying like even if God doesn't save us like like we still like have faith in him and I think uh, it's not getting upset when God says no to you <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah and still like praising him and having faith in him and just being like yeah okay God like that's that's what you wanted for me that's what you said is best like cool <laughs> yeah for sure um I think yeah as you said like the link between faith and meekness or humility um when it comes to God is is there's an element of faith where you have to let go you can't you, you can't have faith that God is going to do something only in your way you have to let go when you're looking at faith to to submit to how however God is going to deal with the situation he's going to deal with it and so there is an element there of humility that actually I'm I'm not going to hold on to the situation I'm going to let it go and let God deal with it because he's better at dealing with situations than I am um he's he you know it's his job it's not my job and so I think there's there in that sense um humility is key right um anything else in terms of of our of practically how our meekness um shows itself in our in, in our relationships with God No? Okay, all right, let's run through the one that we have here, right? So I've got happy to submit to his will, right? And that is kind of what we were talking about um, just now in terms of having the faith to let go, right? And knowing that what you had planned is probably not as good or definitely not as good as what God has in store. And so if God has told you to do something, I know Maz has talked about not arguing with it, Ruben's... Um, on a similar vein um kind of being like you know what yeah god knows best and having faith in that right second um being flexible to the word what does being flexible to the word mean um is that like being open to it basically and like sometimes you can have these preconceived ideas in your head and then like seeing if the word actually goes against what you originally thought just being like yeah okay that's what's written then I'm gonna have to change the ideas that I had in my head yeah for sure exactly right I feel like and this has happened a few times where I've, I've read a verse and not quite understood it um, or, or it not being very comfortable when I've read it because I thought it was saying something and I don't, that's not, I don't know if that's something I agree with. Um, and there's this kind of fight with the text of, oh, do I actually want to believe that or not? Like, um, and there needs to be a, um, again, the humility when you read the Bible, right? Because ultimately, again, we have to look back to that poor in spirit. Right? There's, if there's nothing good about you, how, why do you feel like something that you understand is better than what the Bible is saying? 
Um, and so there needs to be a humility when you read the Bible. Um, and and ultimately, whether you know you you understand it or not, um, to still submit to it. That makes sense. Yeah. What was the first one that you said, Reese, as well? With that one as well. Uh, the, the first one was, was the, flexible to the word. Sorry, Ruben, you're breaking up a bit. Go again. Ruben? Okay, there you're still breaking up. Yeah, we can't hear you. Try type it in the group. No? Okay. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> we'll try type it in the group. Okay. Um, but the first one, I think I heard you ask what the first one was. The first one was... Um, being happy to submit to his will um, instead of like fighting against it. Um, okay, third one. Um, and we've spoken about this as well, but um, don't argue with God. Now, <laughs> what does argue with God look like? Or what would cause us to argue with God? I think a lot of things can cause you to argue. Um, like for example, um, you you prayed a prayer, and you sort of maybe thought, you know, this is a good prayer. This will go. This this will be accepted. This will go the way I think it's going to go, and then it doesn't. And you can mm-hmm. be like, God, why? Um, why this? Why that? It could be something yeah. else, like it could be something worse. You know, someone there's an unexpected um, death, something like that. And now you're arguing with God again. Like, how could you let this happen? Like, I think it happens a lot of times. But when something goes against your thought process or how you thought something was going to play out, and that can cause yeah. you to argue with God. Yeah, for sure. I, um, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's, it's especially when um, you feel like you've done something. Um, to deserve his favor. So it's like, but God, I, d- I did, I had the Bible study this week. So why did this, ha- why did you allow this to happen? You know what I mean? Like somehow you uh, connect him with God for, for one time, it somehow has allowed you to deserve his, um, his favor. And somehow this isn't grace that we're getting. Somehow we're doing something to work for it. Right. Um, and so. Um, and as Maz said at the start, you know, the humility is the opposite of thinking that you deserve something. Um, Abigail, are you going to say something? Um, yes, just touching off the point when um, Tyler mentioned you're praying a prayer and you think that that prayer is, you know, the right prayer. It reminded me of, of Cain and how God had given like implicit instructions, guidelines onto what the sacrifice should be. Um, one where he was coming before God and he thought well you know I deal with the 
fruits I deal with the veg and the garden stuff why can't I bring that as a, a sacrifice and we kind of use it in today we have a certain thing that we're told to do and we'll think well why can't we do it our way because it looks like it should work as well as you know your way yeah 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 exactly that's exactly the case um this is exactly the point cool um and then the last one i had on the list was just um was patience um and so again surrounding all of the things that we've been talking about i think there's an element where we we um either see a circumstance and, and need it to to be sorted straight away um or see god working in a certain way and we're not, us not liking it and wanting to know where it's going and etc and again, this idea of faith is wrapped up in patience, where you just need to let go and let whatever's going to happen in terms of God's will play out. Um, and these are all attitudes of meekness. So as I said before, um, all of those things are impossible to do properly without, again, going through those first two steps of the Beatitudes. If you haven't gone through your spiritual poverty and if you're not mourning your spiritual poverty, it's impossible to come to God in, a, in an attitude of meekness because there's nothing telling you that you're not spiritually um, worthy. You need to come to God knowing that you're spiritually unworthy, that you don't actually deserve anything, that everything he gives us is grace and mercy. Um, and, and having that attitude leads us to have a good attitude when we come to God in terms of our prayer life, in terms of our faith, in terms of how we relate to him, yeah? Okay, second part, how we relate to man. Um, if someone could quickly read Galatians, no, in fact, we're going to read that in a minute. Um, well, how do you guys feel, feel like practically we show our meekness to our fellow man or woman? When you say how do you show it, do you mean how do you rec- <clears throat> do you mean how do you recognize it, someone else? Because if okay, you yeah, we could do it that way as well. How how would you recognize um, meekness in someone else? Are you talking, Tyler, because you, you muted? No, I wasn't. Uh, I'm still thinking. Yeah, um, yeah. How would we how would we recognize meekness in someone else? Or how would we show meekness practically to someone else? Like how do you, if you said someone was humble, why would you think they're humble? Like, you know, when someone's done something repeatedly at a very high standard. And then it doesn't even have to be repeatedly, but especially when it's repeated, and you know you go over to them, and you try and praise them for what they've done, and they're not even having it, or they don't believe you, or something like that. That's sometimes you say, you know, that person's been very humble. I'm not quite sure if this goes far as meek. That's why I wasn't really given this answer, but I say that's how you say someone's humble. Okay, interesting. So um, not eager to take on compliments and praise for doing something. Okay, yeah, deserved as well. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Nice. 
Yeah, I think um, uh, your your conversation and how you speak to people and how much you listen to people. Um, there's a lot of verses and proverbs being um, like quick to listen and slow to speak and mm. not only caring about what you have to say, but also um, valuing what other people have to say as well. So like, yeah, not dismissing them, their feelings what they have to say and that kind of thing for sure for sure 100% it's a good one anyone else how would you recognise meekness in someone or show meekness to someone humility gentleness I would say someone that's kind but also unassuming um so they're doing this, but they're not expecting this to necessarily be reciprocated. I'd say that would be more leaning on the side of meekness. Okay, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I like that one. I like that one. We'll come to that as well. Um, anything else? No? Okay, cool. All right. So um, one I had that um, you guys didn't quite touch on was being non-judgmental I think this is one of the biggest things when it comes down to um to showing um humility towards others right um is when someone is doing something wrong and you recognize that they're doing something wrong um not to judge them for doing that wrong thing um and you know sometimes that's difficult and again where does that come from? It comes from the fact that we need to understand ourselves that we're not doing anything right either. Um, and once you recognize that, it makes it much easier to see other people in that same light. Like if God has been so merciful to us, what you know, what makes us think that somehow we are um, all high and mighty to judge someone else, right? Um, and so one of the biggest things is to, um, to not be judgmental. But on the flip side of that is also to see the goodness in someone. So even if someone is um, may have acted badly or done something wrong towards you or whatever the case is, but to, to be able to, to continually see someone's positive, um, positive attributes or see the, see the good in them um, is another attribute of meekness, right? Um, Let's go to Galatians now. So if we were to, um, so if someone could read Galatians 6 verse 1. Someone could read that. Oh, I have it. Yeah. Um, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Awesome. So what's that saying? I'm not really sure. Anyone? Galatians 6 verse 1. 
Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep um, watching yourself lest you be tempted um, to be tempted. What's that saying? Okay, let's take it part by part, right? So, um, brothers, if anyone is caught in um, in any transgression, right? So what's that? If you see your brother doing something wrong or sinning. Cool, right? So someone's someone's doing something wrong, sinning, whatever it is, right? Um, you who are spiritual, so let's, we're, we're on this, we're on this journey on the beatitudes journey right we're on the meekness part right so we're spiritual at this point being meek is a, is a fruit of the spirit so you know we need the holy spirit to help us with this so those who you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness how do how would you restore someone in the spirit of gentleness someone who's just that committed a sin or done something wrong how does one restore someone in the spirit of gentleness or you could say the, the spirit of humility or the spirit of meekness. First, you make sure your motives are in check. <laughs> Maybe we've been, been talking about motives a lot. So what, what, what does that mean? I remember one time um, having uh, someone close to me that was giving me some, it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was advice. Um, at the time, I remember just feeling like they were kind of commenting on something. And I remember kind of halting them in the middle of what they were saying and saying, hey, listen, I'm not saying don't say what you're going to say, but bear in mind that, you know, I think I said something along the lines of, you know, I'm also doing my own thinking, reasoning, kind of dealing with this thing. And it's quite heavy and it's a lot. So if what you are going to say doesn't need to be said, then check yourself here kind of before you've given it, because, you know, often we realize that uh, once something is said, it cannot be unsaid. And, you know, with all the best intentions, sometimes we can sometimes pile on each other without meaning to, we can end up weighing in with a lot of good intentions. And if that's not what the person needs, then it's not always helpful. Um, Sorry, I think I got a little lost in that story there. But um, yeah, I thought it applied. <laughs> Thanks. So you you talked about um, having the correct motive in terms of uh, in terms of bringing someone um, or restoring someone. Um, but what would what would an incorrect motive look like? Um, highlighting the wrongdoing to make yourself feel better about yourself. Okay. Cool. Highlighting the run didn't to make. Um, I've got another one as well. Like, yeah, doing other, condemning somebody in front of everybody else instead of say, maybe taking to the side or speaking privately, you're trying to maybe embarrass them a little bit as well. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And why, why would you do that? Sorry, why wouldn't why you, would do, you that? do that? Yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? Or why would someone? Why, why would you do that? Why would someone do that? Um, to put you down. Um, put you down, maybe make themselves feel better. Sometimes it's just as silly as to have a laugh at yeah. their expense. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Nothing, none of these things are restorative, right? You're not going to embarrass someone into feeling I'm um, doing better. Right? 
Um, I remember talking with Ruben about Motius, right? And we have to understand that there is actually no, there's there's only one good motive, right? And so, you know, if you're trying to restore someone, it could be for a whole host of reasons that are bad. It could be because, you know, you're trying to make yourself feel better by putting them down, as we've said. It could be by trying to help them, you're, you want you you want some kind of praise for for helping them get get back on their feet. It could be it could be any host of reasons, right? Um, but the real reason, the only real true reason why you should be wanting to restore someone is because you love them and you love them because you love God, and you love God because God first loved you. Those that that is the only train of 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 true um um true um motive right is love so if you were looking at someone who had just done something wrong and you love them how how, in what way could you help to restore them tyler mentioned um doing it privately so talking to them in private so you don't embarrass them which is one what else I think obviously um, praying for them is key, but I think in the areas that you can, I think practical help goes a long way. Whether that be helping them find, depends what it is. But um, for mm-hmm. example, let's say someone's struggling with I don't know, I mean, an addiction. You know, helping them find the right resources, the people, whatever it may be, to actually help them overcome that. And the same thing happens goes for anything else. Like actually trying to be practical. With your intentions as well yeah nice nice cool that's good nice um i think the words that you use you definitely need um guidance from god because um as to like not attribute their wrongdoing to who they are do you know what i mean it's like if um i don't know telling someone that they're good like good for nothing versus like what you're doing is wrong that's two different things like yeah the way you deliver it yeah for sure for sure i'll tell you one thing that would really help me um is is someone coming down to my level and what i mean by that is if someone if you we've mentioned drug abuse right if you're going to help someone with drug abuse um, or anything that's that's wrong, there is an element that, that they need to see you. Um, that you can't you can't help them from a higher, mighty um, standpoint. You can't come in thinking, right? I'm Christian. I'm great. Come follow me into this into this great area of spirituality. There almost needs to be a um, a sharing of brokenness. So I say, look, I've, either I've been here or I've done this and this is how I came out of it. Something that is, that I feel like that's what a, a, a humble person would do. It, it, they wouldn't mind sharing their faults. They wouldn't mind, you know, getting down into the mud with them to help. But so both of us can come out together um, rather than it being, you know, I conquered that already. Yeah. And this is what you do kind of thing. Or, you know, I'm, I'm all spiritual. You're doing something wrong. So this is how you get out of it. Even if you, someone did that in love, even if someone did that nicely, um, there's still an element of 
am I really going to listen to you? Do you really know what I'm going through? And I think sharing um, your own struggles, your own difficulties um, is something that we can do to help each other, um, at least relate to each other in, in helping us restore each other. Um, yeah, Tyler. Yeah, I like that point. And as you were saying it, you made me think, I don't know if we've said it, but like a relationship with that person goes a mm. long way because you can do it out of love, but if you don't know that person, they might not take it um, in the way you've intended it. Um, and if even they, not, not anybody and everybody can just go up to anybody. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's examples I've seen in church where something may have looked wrong and someone just gone up to them and said it. Yeah, your intentions may have been 100% in love, but they don't know you and it can come across wrong. So I think the relationship, having a relationship with the person is also key, I think, as well. I agree, I agree, for sure. Any other points before we, we move on? Cool. All right, so the, um, some other points that are kind of related to this one um, was having a forgiving spirit. So I think that... Um, that kind of relates to the to the last one, if the transgression is against you. So, um, you know, doing everything that we just said before, but also if it is against you, forgiving them and, and hoping that they're going to do better um, and treating them like they're going to do better um, is, is going to help them and restore them. You know, if, you, if you're always going to treat them like they've messed around with you and you treat them like, they're going to do it again, then it's more likely that they're going to do it again. Um, and so being humble enough to say, you know, I don't, I don't actually care what happens to me. I'd rather put myself on the line to help this person grow um, is, is an attitude of meekness for sure. Um, yeah, Tyler is saying that um, it's interesting because when the transgression against you, it becomes harder. And that's exactly the point. Um, if it, like everything that we just spoke about becomes a whole lot harder if someone has done something to you and you feel wrong. And this is where, again, meekness comes into its own because it's only through you understanding that you are nothing, that you are spiritually broke. There's nothing good about you either. The, the, it can only come from that mindset that allows you to look at someone else's transgression against you and think, you know what, it's okay, like, we'll, we'll go again. Um, if you thought you were something, it would be impossible for you to then, you know, push, your, push yourself down further from the transgression. There needs to be this, this soaking up of, of, of um, spiritual poverty and of mourning. Um, and that's why these things are layers and not steps. You cannot drop the spiritual poverty as you go along the journey, it's, it's all coming with us, right? Um, and then the last thing I put on here was, um, you end up being very generous with your time and with your resources. Um, and that's generally because you're content. I think Maz talked about being very content before if you're a humble person um, or, if you're, or if you're a meek person, but also you, you um, you're glad or you're happy in the in the joy of others and so isn't you're naturally gonna gonna give more you're naturally gonna help people more you're naturally gonna be more loving to people 
for all of the reasons that we spoke about already. Okay, so last bit to cover before we close is the second part of the verse. I think we always spend the most time on the first part. The second part says, um, it says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Now in what sense do the meek inherit the earth? What do you guys think? Maybe they inherit the new earth. Cool, hundred percent. So that's definitely one element of this: is that all of when we look at the beatitudes, they all have an element of of, of um, expressing heaven, right? So be it you know, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They shall be comforted. Um, they shall inherit the earth. They're all pointing towards um, heaven, right? The new earth, etc. Um, but there's more in there. So what else What else could, could it mean in terms of they inherit the earth? Because there is an element that um, each, although each of them point forward, they also have an element where they're applicable now. For example, um, poor in spirit, um, there's the kingdom of heaven, is because the first step, you being poor in spirit, gets you on the point where, you know, if Jesus came today, you're on the journey towards spiritual growth you're you you've hit that point where you you can be justified that you know that's what is poor in spirit that the thief on the cross found and so you you can accept jesus in that moment even though you know you also have heaven to come um those who mourn will be comforted in the moment that they're mourning and they ask for forgiveness because god gives you forgiveness immediately but he also you will have the realization of that forgiveness in heaven right, and you'll be ultimately comforted in heaven, right, and so again, there is a, an inheriting the earth that happens in the future, as we've been said, there is inheriting the new earth, but there is also an element where we inherit the earth now, and what, what do you guys think that's relating to? There's, two, there's, there's probably two aspects to this, at least. Go ahead, Um, I think there's a few verses that talk about um, those those who are humble, um, like God will exalt them. And yeah, just that theme in the Bible of like those who are first will become last and those who are last will become first. And like with, even with the Moses example that you gave at the beginning, yeah. Um, it's like God is there to do what we like. What we don't do ourselves, like He'll take care of it. Awesome. Um, that's 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 one um, great answer. Is God? God can use people who are humble, right? God can use people who are humble all day long. God cannot use people who are proud, and so. Um, in a very real sense, as man say, is saying, you know, um, God can bless you, you know, with gifts and talents and, and you know, that you may not be, you know, rich in, in, in worldly, an idea of rich, but spiritually you can be so rich um, based on your humility rather than on your pride. Um, anything else? Um, hi. It's Shana. Um, I was just going to say, 
I'm not sure completely about what the question was, but um, kind of going off of Maz's point, sometimes I think God is trying, there might be one situation in your life where he's saying something and he is um, not testing to see if you're humble or patient or whatever, but um, it that will have an effect on whether then he uses you later on. Um, for example, with Moses, with the with the bush, if he had, it, we don't know, but dependent on how he responded to that, it could have affected what happened later on. Um, so I can't remember what my point was going to be, <laughs> but, um, yeah, sometimes I think God uses different situations to impact. Um, it's not just a case of, oh, in this situation, I wasn't humble. Never mind. I'll do it next time. Because, um, I was, I also saw something which was saying, if you ask God for patience, he doesn't give you patience he gives you a situation which you can be patient in which I don't know the truth in that but um yeah that was just a thought another sorry I just wanted to say another thing that Shona said earlier was um this idea that uh, being meek with God is also re reflected in being meek with man because you know I might say oh yeah Lord no I'm very humble so well no, that's not a way to do it but you know I might pray and be like Lord yeah I'm willing to give you know to you and to um to listen to you and to let you just use me and hear through me. And then it might be Reese tells me something, you know, Tyler tells me something, Matt tells me something. And, you know, people can be wrong. Let's not forget that. It's not, it's not about mitigating that idea. But sometimes then someone can be sent to me to tell me something that is in line with what God is saying. And actually, you know, I might have decided that being humble with God is where I draw the line. And the fact that I'm then not humble with my fellow man I'm not meek enough to listen and to not take on, but at least to hear what they have to say. Yeah. That actually then goes back up the line and makes me less meek, you know, before God, because there's a, there's a limit there now. I've not got that trust in the father that actually even the people that he's sending me, it's safe to be meek with him to that level as well with them as well. And so it's all, uh, it's all a mess really, but yeah. Don't pray for meekness unless you're willing to be told about yourself, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all connected for sure. But yeah, there's some good points. I think um, I think there's there's elements of of both in terms of God will God will use situations to help you grow spiritually, um, but He will also um, he He can also give you um, give you the spirit as well. Like the the fruit talents can also be given um as well as worked on if that makes sense um and i guess he in his infinite wisdom he, he chooses how how we develop those um yeah but uh how how in what ways do we see um do we see the meek inherit the earth practically now Is it because a meek person doesn't feel like they deserve it? And so any gift, let alone the gifts that God has planned for, for you know, us, is the whole earth. It's just like everything, if that makes sense. 
So being meek is potentially synonymous with like wide-eyed wonder where every blessing from God, every gift, every mercy is like everything. Awesome. Yeah, that's exactly it, right? That is, there is an element of contentment and happiness and joy and peace when you are humble. Because again, you don't deserve anything. You don't expect anything. Um, And so anything you do get and everything we do get from God is met with such... um, with such amazement and such gratitude um, that if that, that because ultimately God has given us the earth, whether you feel, feel it or not. And so um, a meek attitude will allow you to experience that, if that makes sense. Um, and then there's one last element, which is, um, which is there is an element that there's this um, thing called killing them with kindness, right? And so um, I don't know if you've read a book called Winning Friends and Influencing People, um, but there is a spiritual dimension to that, which is you will, and we've kind of spoken about it before when we talked about the relationship um, with meekness to to man, but there is an element of you being able to win over people much more when you're humble than when you're proud. A, A humble person attracts people like wildfire but a proud person shuns people. Um, a mild person brings people together, you know, people will listen to you. Um, you can influence people, you can help people. Like there is, a, there is an attraction and there is a beauty in someone who is humble. Um, and conversely, there is an ugliness and there is a, uh, a, a shunning to those who are proud. And so in a very real way, if you're truly humble, if you truly love people more than yourself or equal with yourself, um, then it, you're much, it's going to be much easier to, to you know, win friends at work, um, you know, witness, bring people to Christ, help people in your community, um, have loving relationships in your family. Um, all of those things come from losing pride and gaining humbleness. Um, and so in a very real way, again, there, you, you wouldn't have the earth. Um, is there any other points before we close? No? Okay. All right. Um, Abigail, do you want to pray for us to close, please? Yes, of course. Our Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for this Sabbath day. I want to thank you for for blessing us, for guiding us, and for enabling us to come together and study. I ask that you'll be with us now as we go through the rest of this Sabbath day, that we will focus our hearts and our minds and we'll take away the lessons that we've learned and discussed together and implement them into our lives and also share them with those that we come into contact with, that we can be an impact on someone's life not just today, but over this week, to make that our in goal and our, our vision. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen.